You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Doctor's Lounge. Dr. Mike Karuchak, your host today. Thanks very much for spending some time with us here in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. We will on my shows, the week that I do them, uh, alternating with Dr. Hal, of course, uh, I will continue to bring you the interviews uh, from our Docs for Patient Care version 3.0 meeting down in Orlando, Florida, uh, where we heard a great deal of really, really neat stuff from a bunch of really, really neat people. Uh, and so we will bring you next uh, the interview from Dr. Elena George, um, probably the closest thing I had to a kindred spirit at this meeting. She is a otolaryngologist and ear, nose, and throat doctor like myself, uh, also has a radio talk show of her own, which uh, up until recently was also on America's Web Radio where uh, we do our thing. Uh, so we're going to play Alina's interview, and then we're going to go to Liberty Health Share, uh, and that's a very long segment. The two of those will uh, take up the rest of the hour. So we start with Elena George. Here we go. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. We're on our road trip from Atlanta to Orlando, Florida for DPC 3.0, the third annual Docs for Patient Care Foundation meeting on direct primary care. With me in the studio now is the closest thing to a kindred spirit that I think I've had all weekend, Dr. Elena George, um, who, like us, uh, like me, is an ear, nose, and throat doc. And like us, has her own radio show. So, Elena, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, so, so tell us a little bit about uh, where you are. We both have the same question. What are specialists doing at a primary <laughs> care conference? Uh, so, tell us where you're coming from. Well, I'm coming from moving, looking at the future. You know, right now, I think we've both been in a position where the third-party payer system is affecting how we practice medicine. I just had plenty of conversations about my practice. I've had to limit my scope. I no longer do head and neck surgery. I'm trained to do everything, and I only do a portion of what I trained to do because as an independent doctor, I couldn't stay open and do these procedures. And that's a tragedy because now as a, a community doctor, I can't do it, and I have to refer people into this huge, monolithic, expensive hospital system, and it's unnecessary. And it's only because people decided our value. We let people, we let insurance companies decide our worth and they devalued us and they're trying to continue to do it and this this conference is a way to take our power back that's why i'm here outstanding so how do you think that the direct primary care model with the monthly fees transfers into surgical specialties because not everything exactly copy pastes no not really i mean i have a hybrid practice and i do have a direct ent portion and these should be the patients who have chronic problems. They have the one with the congenital uh, cilia dyskinesia disorder. So it's a lot of sinus infections, and you have to stay ahead of that. And so that patient sees me about every three weeks, and they do direct primary or direct ENT. So they're paying a flat fee every month, and they get about 10 or 15 visits a year. So that saves them a lot of money, and that's that's my version of it. But I've also done a lot of cash pay, um, sliding scale. And now I joined a consortium in, in Atlanta. It's called Hip Nation. I'm sure you're aware of it. I know. Yes. Yeah. And We're in it, too. <laughs> it's awesome. Yes, it is. Because now we become the resource for the direct primary care. And I think that's one of the things that people had a question about. 
if what happens if you have to send a patient to a specialist? You don't want to have to send them to the hospital and lose all of the benefits of the membership system. And now here in Atlanta, we've we have a consortium, so our direct primary care doctors have you and I as a resource. I've found rheumatologists and endocrinologists, GYN doctors. So when I have a a self-pay patient or one with a high deductible, I know I can keep them in our system and not have them lose money by going into the huge corporate-based healthcare system. Outstanding. So... um so tell us a little bit about your radio show, because you've had a lot of yeah. interesting adventures with yours. You actually were doing this before we were. Yeah. I think uh, when we joined America's Web Radio, you were already there. Yeah, I was like a pioneer, right? Yeah, wow. so tell us about that odyssey. Well, it's, it was a labor of love. It started off as just getting people information about ENT issues. And with our healthcare system, when it went south over the past, what, 10 years now? It became more of an informational show, and this is how you take your power back. And it's an advocacy. You know, we have such a platform to let patients know and other doctors, you're not alone. There's a better way to do this. You don't have to be a victim of the system. And that's what the show became, was Medicine on Call. Um, As you know, I recently left America's Web Radio. Um, And actually, I'm rebranding the show. It's going to be called Living in the Solutions because I wanted everybody to know that it's about... This is how we work around the system, and these are the this is, these are the nitty gritty things that you need to do to do it. And everybody that comes on is going to add something positive, not just "woe is me" because that's not my style, and I know it's not yours. Indeed. So I'm on Liberty Talk FM. On it runs on Friday and Saturdays at noon, and I'm also on every single platform now. So everything from Stitcher to Spotify, iTunes. So if you look up Medicine on Call, because it's still kind of known as that as I'm transitioning, you can hear the new shows. And I'm really proud of the show. And I had Charles Blahouse um, on last week, and if people want to go and listen to that, it's very interesting about medicine, I'm sorry, um, uh, the Medicare for All, but from a policy standpoint and what the law actually says, as opposed to the heat and light, all the emotion where people's brains turn off, so people can learn exactly what they're trying to do to us. If they have their way, there will be no more insurance companies. Doctors will be completely employed by the by the government and take with the crumbs that they want to give us, and patients are going to be on the outside looking in. So um, what kind of feedback do you get from listeners? Do they have a way of of reaching you or, or contacting you with a Twitter feed or an email or something? Do you hear back from folks? You know, I, I do in real time, you know, my, when I'm out and about, when people listen to the show, I really honestly just put it out there with, with my heart leading. And you can reach me through at America's Web Call by Twitter. You can join the, the Facebook page, Medicine on Call, um, and also Dr. Elena George, which is my website, and I write a blog. And there's plenty of ways to reach me through that. So I love to hear from folks and know that what we're putting out, you and I, is actually being received, and I think it is. We just don't realize it. We're just doing it because we love it. Well, I have to confess, one of the reasons I asked is kind of a selfish question because, you know, sometimes you get the feeling you're just sort of broadcasting <laughs> into a broom closet and that, uh, you know, who's on the other end. So I was curious as to what your experience was. Oh, i got to get more out there so I can figure it out. I, people say they listen to the show when I see them, and I'm like, oh, thank you, but... Just do it. Do patients ever bring it up in the exam room or anything? Do they ask you? 
a couple have. You know, they listen. Actually, you know, really interesting, a uh, high school teacher listens. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I found out. So, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, yes, I think I have plenty of listeners like you do, like lots of downloads, but maybe I need to be more accessible and have a call-in show at some point. Yeah, I don't know how we do that. It's, I know, it's you know, difficult. It's, it's a, that's a difficult thing because then we got to do it live so people can call in and that kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. Well, okay, what else you got on your mind? Anything else you want to throw out there? We um, sort of covered the ground already. Well, we but did. We did, a lot. we did a good job, actually. Yeah. I just... I'm just grateful that I know you, and I'm, I'm glad, glad as a colleague that we are on the yes. front line and we're Same not afraid. Here. Yes. And we're leading the way, and I hope that the rest of our colleagues will follow us because it's freedom on the other side. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to take what you're given. I don't care if it's a doctor or a patient. We have the power in the system if we would just take it back. ENT doctor and radio show talk show host Dr. Elena George in the Doctor's Lounge in Orlando, Florida. Thanks so much. My pleasure. So here you heard Dr. Elena George. So there's one point that I want to to touch on from that talk. I was I was listening to it as uh, as I was laying it down in the segment here. Um, note what she said in the beginning that she's slowing down a particular part of her practice uh, and she's not happy about it and as a fellow ear, nose and throat doctor I totally understand what she's saying I get this um, she talked about slowing down head and neck surgery now that's unless you're in the business that's kind of an archaic term head and neck surgery what does that mean that really means head and neck cancer surgery it means thyroid surgery parathyroid surgery it is among the most intense procedures that our specialty does. Unfortunately, it is also among the procedures that are paid the least in terms of amount of money paid per hour that you are working. And, and it's a significant issue because these are long operations. Thyroidectomies are two hours. Neck dissections are two hours. If you have to string those together and do a thyroidectomy and a neck dissection because the thyroid cancer has spread from the gland into the neck, <clears throat> then uh, you're talking about several hours of surgery and the the payment rates for those things, which again are dictated by insurance. We don't get a chance to, to test our fair market value. Uh, the insurance rates that are dictated are abysmally low. And so what does Dr. George have to do? Well, she can't afford to do those procedures. They're loss leaders. Uh, she actually loses money when she does those procedures. So it's not just a question of operating for free. You have to write a check back to your practice for the overhead that the surgical payment fails to cover. How do I know this? Because I do head and neck cancer in my practice, and I have had to cut that out. Uh, I do very, very few of those because if you look at the numbers and see what generates the revenue you need to, to keep the bills paid and the rent paid and the staff paid and stay in business, uh, it's just not there. And I think we're going to see uh, as more and more surgeons in my generation retire, I think we're going to see uh, a shortage uh, of folks who are willing to do head and neck cancer surgery, and I think that's going to become a problem. And, and why is it a problem? Because anytime you fix prices, you create shortages. And if you think it's bad now, wait until it, you know a third uh, party or a Medicare for all system comes along, and you will see that absolutely positively across the board. So um, we've got about a, a minute and 
40 seconds left in the segment, and I'm instead of just droning on here, I'm going to go ahead to the next segment, which is uh, uh, Dale Bellis and uh, Liberty HealthShare. Uh, this was actually an interesting uh, segment. Uh, it's rather lengthy, but this was when we actually taped a segment or taped an entire uh, Doctor's Lounge show with uh, 300 and some odd people in the audience. So it was, uh, you know, the largest Doctor's Lounge on, on record, I imagine. Uh, so we will move on to that right now. Walk. Um, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. I'm vice president of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and co-host of our show, The Doctor's Lounge, with Dr. Hal, whom all of you know, of course. Um, and we'll be doing a Q&A on The Doctor's Lounge. We're going to make this one big Doctor's Lounge after the next talk. So it's my pleasure to introduce the next speaker, Mr. Dale Bellis, uh, founder of Liberty HealthShare Ministries. And he's going to give us a talk on how HealthShare plans can fit into the bigger picture of patient care in a uh, direct primary care model. So, Dale? Thank you so much for the uh, opportunity to be with you uh, and just really share uh, how healthcare sharing ministries and Liberty Health Share particularly uh, can fit into the intersection between ourselves and direct primary care. I'm delighted to just make a few. Just got into that segment, so uh, we will uh, go pick it up after the break. You're listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Dr. Karuchak at your service here today, your host for the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Uh, we are in the midst of the Liberty Health Share uh, Dale Bellis talk at our Direct Primary Care 3.0 uh, meeting, and so we'll just uh, pick it up right here. Introductory remarks to that effect, uh, and then just spend some time in the question uh, and answer. Well, first, a little bit about the history and progression uh, of myself and healthcare sharing and Liberty Health Share in particular. Uh, I've been essentially a healthcare administrator for about the last 30 years, largely in the arena of administering self funded employer plans and in especially uh, working with employers and uh, assisting them to, to minimize and contain expenses, it became obvious to me that there are some fundamental flaws in our current health care system at large that need to be addressed and pondered over and thought about as to how to change and potentially uh, resist. Uh, the biggest issue that I came to realize uh, that exists uh, and, and to uh, respond to is how to overcome and react to the issue of the third-party pay system. 
That is a system where I, as an individual, pre-fund or finance my health care costs and send away a premium to a third-party company, which now becomes their money, and they begin to make decisions and choices about the care of my health. Uh, now, that produces some really significant issues. The first is, I really lose a major portion of my individual autonomy about the care of my health because now there's a third-party decider making choices and decisions about the care that I can access or need to seek out uh, or, uh, or, or find a benefit for in terms of the care of my health. Uh, that is, there's a, in fact, Ralph Weber has coined a phenomenal term, the founder of Metabid. He calls them metacrats. <laughs> that is, those who intersect between medical care and, and the bureaucracy uh, and begin making choices and decisions about my health. That's a problem. Uh, particularly because if we truly are creatures of God, uh, created by God with value and significance and rights to hand over those kinds of choices and decisions to a third party uh, is truly problematic. That's number one. And then number two <laughs> is because now it's their money. They're making decisions and choices about a process or a procedure, a care plan that they approve and that they permit. They not only are in charge of the costs, but they're also in charge of my care. And that third-party payment system has produced lethargy, malaise, and total insulation from the costs of health care. That is, if they're paying the costs, it's not coming from my pocket, it's now coming from a third-party uh, pay company's pockets, and I don't know about the costs, I never even see a bill, I don't engage with that payer, I have no incentive to minimize expense, no wonder we see just runaway costs in the, in the arena of health care insurance and health care expense because I have no incentive as a patient to participate in that cost containment because it's somebody else's money. I know about my copays. I know about my uh, deductibles. Once I reach those levels, now it's the insurance company's money, and I have no motivation whatsoever to control those costs because it's somebody else's bill. As a consequence, we've seen those kinds of skyrocketing inflations and pressure to find other options and alternatives uh, in meeting uh, health care costs. But that's a problem. That's a significant uh, flaw. But there's that third-party pay system that is the, the payer of my health care costs, but there's an additional flaw that I encountered in my role as a health care administrator, uh, and that is what I just simply came to call the sick care system. 
That is, the economic model by which the vast majority of doctors and hospitals were paid on a, a fee basis uh, is that they were engaged with that patient because of an illness or a sickness. And they got paid uh, because the more frequently I was seen or the more frequently they were able to have me come to the, to, to the uh, office, that's how they received their payment. And they're, they're, they were addressing my illness, not my overall health. And so in that particular arena or system of, of really not health care, but rather sick care, the motivation on the part of the provider is to just simply treat a disease or an illness and not think about the big picture of my health, how to be preventative, how to be uh, uh, motivational towards uh, how to address my health care needs in the big picture. So I have no skin in the game financially. I'm only being addressed because of my illness. What, how do we counteract those particular uh, influences in the arena of healthcare today. And so we've begun to take a look at those two issues and counteract them, particularly through healthcare sharing. Now, there's really only that we've been told, possibly for a generation or more, that there's only one way to meet healthcare costs, and that's through insurance. But we also know there is a second way. And that's to be a self-pay patient. That is to shed that relationship with the third-party payer and just simply pay my costs out of my pocket. There's a great to be said uh, for that. Uh, number one, now I really do have financial skin in the game. Now I really am engaged in those costs to ask about treatment, to ask about expenses, uh, because it's coming from my pocket. I truly am incentivized now to control costs. It also benefits by reestablishing the patient-doctor relationship because it's coming from my pocket. Now I really can focus on the kind of relationship I'm building with my care provider and my doctor and health care team and arrangement. So now it's not about simply uh, treating illness, which is, in fact, an upside-down paradigm. But I now break through that by paying it out of my own pocket. The problem, obviously, with that is what happens when I have catastrophic expenses? What occurs then uh, whenever I encounter costs that are unexpected and unaffordable that are beyond my means? And that's really the combination of health care sharing. It's men and women coming together on a self-pay, patient basis, but sharing their health care costs in a like-minded community of faith and values where my money every month goes to another person who has medical expenses. And I engage in that community relationship, so not only am I a self-pay patient with all of the benefits of having engagement on costs and certainly breaking through the barriers with my caregivers uh, so that it's truly restored in terms of, of that doctor-patient relationship, but I also have the support community nationally uh, to assist with those costs that are beyond my ability to pay. We call them burdens, healthcare cost burdens that I'm not able to meet on my own. 
Uh, and so that's really how healthcare sharing was birthed. Uh, in, in fact, uh, with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, it really caused me to rethink the way in which we both access for health care uh, and pay for it. Uh, I remember well uh, that uh, particular day in 2010. I was getting ready to go to the office, uh, and uh, as I went to my uh, uh, health care administration uh, business, uh, and I was getting ready for uh, the, the office that morning, I saw the passage of the ACA. It hit me, frankly, like a ton of bricks. <laughs> a, 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 an insight... Uh, a, that's actually said to myself, I said to myself, there's got to be a way for the average, ordinary American not only to pay and meet health care costs, but to do so without the intrusion of the federal government in a way that we've never, frankly, seen before uh, in the history of our fair republic. Uh, and so there, that really focused my attention on the fact that there's really two crises in healthcare. One uh, we are all familiar with, with the crisis of cost and the runaway expenses as a result of the third party's pay system. But there is really a second crisis, and it's the crisis of conscience. Uh, never before have we seen the federal government so intrude upon personal choices uh, in healthcare so that my dollars are being used in ways that I would never permit or never allow uh, or never ask to, to be used in that fashion. We're all familiar with the Little Sisters of the Poor, a Hobby Lobby case, Conestoga Wood, uh, th where others have, have spent countless dollars, hundreds and if not millions of dollars and time and effort to protect their conscience rights in the arena of health care. Uh, and so I was highly motivated to find a way to, uh, to achieve that on an individual basis. Uh, and so in, uh, in the early, uh, or right after the passage of the Affordable Care Act, uh, I launched Liberty HealthShare uh, as a way for people everywhere across the nation to join in and make health care sharing available and affordable for all. We're a relaunch, a reorganization of an existing uh, health care sharing ministry that's been in place since 1995. Uh, they were a small Mennonite group sharing medical bills uh, with a few families uh, who turned to me and said, we really want to take this tradition of caring for one another and meeting each other's needs and burdens and paying expenses, but make it available and affordable for the nation to come to join us on this premise and on this basis. And so uh, we launched Liberty Health Share uh, right after the, the soon after the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and it was and has been an incredible opportunity and experience to see people come together uh, on that basis. Pick it up on the other side. We're at the end of the segment. You are listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Karuchak, your host. Thanks very much for being with us. Uh, we are continuing to present uh, uh, Mr. Dale Bellis uh, of uh, Liberty HealthShare, uh, his talk, along with the Q&A in the world's largest Doctor's Lounge in Orlando, Florida, last November. Here we go. ...as self-pay patients, we experience that reality of an unfair billing system transpiring in American healthcare today that is over that is certainly that overbills and is, and is egregious many of you have probably experienced it we do almost on a daily basis uh, that whenever uh, a, a, we're at a particular counter asking for a, a service and they discover it's not being sent as a bill to an insurance company suddenly those costs come tumbling down on a, a on a cash pay uh, or self-pay patient basis, 60% less, 40% less. Uh, and so we experience that on a, a regular basis as a group of self-pay patients and sharing those costs then on that, uh, on that cost-efficient uh, approach. But secondly, uh, also protecting conscience. Our dollars, our money, does not go to conscience-busting expenses and costs, such as abortion, being the most egregious example, or abortive fashions, or sex change operations, or physician-assisted suicide, uh, and those kinds of costs that have been mandated through the Affordable Care Act being exempt from the ACA, both its fines for not having insurance uh, and its mandates uh, that have become, in many cases, so uh, onerous, uh, and so as a, as a group, uh, we have grown from that first member uh, when we launched in 2012 uh, now to 100,000 households, 240,000 members and individuals uh, in all 50 states uh, across the country uh, without uh, limitation or barriers and continuing to add two and 3,000 uh, new families uh, every month. And it works simply. It's, it's very simple. We simply ask our members to set aside what we call a share amount, a predetermined share amount every month. That money goes into a secure online account. We call it our share box. And through our proprietary online technology, that, those dollars get matched to another member who has medical bills. And so transparently and openly, you see your dollars flow from your account to theirs. You can message them with cheer, with encouragement, with prayer. And like a true social community, stand with one another, sometimes through the biggest crises of our lives. We constantly receive input and feedback from our members as to the impact and significance of having that sense of community uh, across the nation. And it adds such significance and value uh, to dollars that previously were be, being sent to the company black hole somewhere, now being turned into an investment in the life of another individual that I see where those dollars go uh, every month. And so we've expanded uh, and uh, grown across the nation uh, and are grateful uh, for this opportunity to really provide an alternative means for meeting health care costs and being focused on uh, the issues surrounding the care of our health. 
Now, there are some ways in which we have chosen to intersect uh, with the uh, direct primary care movement, of which I'm grateful to be with you here. Uh, I know that we are compatible in many of the thoughts that I've just shared about the reason why health care sharing is so essential and and needed uh, in today's health care world. And I'm glad to pursue and express uh, and be a part of uh, of bringing about solutions in meeting health care costs together. Mike? How are we doing? You hear me on the... Oh, there we go. Got myself powered up. All right. Thanks, Dale. That's a great talk. Very much obliged. So what we're going to do for the Q&A segment here, as, as many of you know, uh, in addition to this big meeting that the foundation does every year, we're doing work every week. And one of the things that we do is the Doctor's Lounge radio show that uh, I do with uh, Dr. Hal that you all know. And um, so we're into our fifth year. Uh, very grateful and very happy to be doing that. So the, the Q&A segment here is going to be a segment on the show. So please bring your questions to the microphone. I've got a few here to, to fill the space if needed, but questions from the audience are far better uh, than questions from the host. Uh, when we start here, I'm going to say welcome to the doctor's lounge, and I would like you to make your presence known by putting your hands together. So three, two, one, welcome to the doctor's lounge. Hi, thanks very much. I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak, your host, with uh, Dr. Hal, my co-host here in the house. And uh, we have distinguished guest, uh, Mr. Dale Burris, the uh, founder of Liberty HealthShare Ministries. So, uh, Dale, as we discussed uh, beforehand, um, for the listeners who didn't have the benefit of your talk, give us a sort of a 90-second thumbnail sketch of what Liberty uh, HealthShare Ministries is about. We are a nationwide a healthcare sharing ministry, a nonprofit organization of men, women, and families who all unite around the common purpose of paying each other's medical bills. And we do that without the help of an insurance company or the government, just a regular systematic way to meet healthcare costs in a like-minded community of faith and values where my money every month, Mike, goes to another person, uh, and then should I have expense, that same group is there to help pay my bills. That's fantastic. Let's, uh, we already have people at the microphone for questions, so go ahead. Yeah, hi. This is, I'm uh, Dr. Chad Savage. Actually, more of a comment than a question. Um, I'm a member of a health-sharing ministry, and one of the things that's so unique about it is, is you had mentioned earlier about messaging the people who are sick. And my family, actually, once a month when we pay our membership, um, we actually send a get well card. And it's become essentially teaching my children a charitable aspect of it. And I'll tell you, that's a lot different than paying an insurance company premium. And also something I never, ever received from Blue Cross Blue Shield, but I get regularly from <laughs> is thank you letters. Yeah. I've never had a thank you letter from pay, paying a premium, but that's my two cents. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm grateful for that. We accomplished that uh, through our online technology where we're messaging one another electronically through what we call our our share box, uh, where literally we are messaging one another uh, with those words of cheer and encouragement and and prayer uh, and get well wishes. Uh, And so uh, rather than doing it through the mail, we've chosen to do it that way, but it accomplishes that sense of connectivity and support uh, and community engagement with one another. 
Okay, introduce Hi. yourself and let us know what's on your mind. Uh, my name is Tammy Waters. I'm from um, Apex, the Raleigh area of North Carolina. I have a number of families who would love to take part in what you have to offer with the health sharing ministries, but they have children with asthma, which is a pre-existing condition. I have one in particular who was hospitalized in the ICU within the last year, and they're very afraid to go take that leap to be on the health share because of the pre-existing condition and no coverage of that. And what would you recommend for those families? Because they can't do the health share at the same time as a medical plan, a uh, regular insurance plan. So how do they get onto your program and still have that coverage for their children? In fact, that's a frequently asked question, Mike. Indeed. We kind of <laughs> talked about that ahead of time. About, so perfect about, segue. Sure, about pre-existing conditions. Uh, particularly for those conditions uh, that are chronic, as you've just described, uh, enrolling with and participating in, in direct primary care is an ideal combination with health care sharing so that they're seeking out care for those chronic uh, conditions that may be low cost uh, and that they can certainly care for through enrollment with a direct primary care. But we deal with pre-existing conditions primarily in two ways. Uh, as we're all familiar, the ACA has a mechanism for, for pre-existing conditions, and that's the open enrollment period, where everyone's funneled into an enrollment or making changes in, in a particular period in the year. Folks can join us any month in the course of the year. They're not limited uh, to uh, participation uh, with Liberty Health Share and Healthcare Sharing. So any month in the course of the year, they can participate. Our mechanism is, is that in the first year, in the first year, we don't share in pre-existing costs or conditions. So they go through that first year, and that's how it would be particularly useful in the case you've just described. And then we pick up and begin to share in those costs going forward so that within three years, it's no longer considered pre-existing, and we continue on. That's number one. Number two, though, is the most beneficial, I think, the most impactful way uh, that we deal with pre-existings, particularly for those chronic conditions that are responsive to a lifestyle change. <laughs> and you'll agree with me, there's an epidemic of them in America today. High blood pressure, uh, heart disease, certainly type 2 diabetes, obesity, uh, smoking, high cholesterol, all of those conditions are responsive to the, to the way I eat and sleep and exercise and live and reduce stress, etc. And so we welcome folks with those conditions to come join us. And we enroll them in a what we call health track. Uh, a, a program, we assign them a health coach. They set their own predetermined treatment plan and goals. And with the support of that health track coach, uh, make changes to their lifestyle and progress toward those goals. Uh, and, and we're really seeing transformation take place in people's lives. We share in the costs associated with that pre-existing condition so long as they're working that program uh, uh, that we call a health track. Once they reach those goals, it costs, by the way, an additional $80 a month, which is largely a pass-through for the health coach. Uh, but once they reach those goals, they graduate from the program, the $80 drops off, they continue as a member, and we're really seeing transformation occur in people's lives. So in the family that I um, mentioned, the children with asthma, would you recommend that they pay for the Liberty Health Share in addition to an ACA plan for two years? 
Is that, well, it would be for the first year, number one. Year, okay. uh, uh, but yes, you, in fact, we're looking for that kind of coordination, cooperation uh, with particularly uh, chronic conditions being treated in the direct primary care arena so that they have primary care uh, addressing it. And then when that first year expires, we begin sharing in those costs outside of, in that case, the, the DPC treatment uh, arena. Thank you. Go ahead. Hi, Dr. Tiffany Blythe from Kansas City. I have been on the direct primary care scene about a year and a half now, and that was the first time that I had learned about health sharing ministries and was ecstatic to hear that this was an option. I felt like it was such a great tool to use for cost savings and all those great reasons that we already talked about. Uh, But my experience, especially with Liberty Healthcare, has been not um, 100% clear or positive, and so I was hoping you could help me navigate that a little bit. Okay. So my concerns are two-pronged. All right, we'll pick up this uh, very interesting-sounding question on uh, the other side. You're listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Karuchak, your host on America's Web Radio. Uh, we continue here with segment number four, uh, presenting to you the talk in Q&A for uh, Liberty HealthShare, uh, picking it back up. Is that there have been some grumblings about maybe some financial instability, some uh, bills that were submitted for reimbursement got denied that they didn't think should have been denied. Um, and sort of along those same lines, I know that Liberty HealthShare is growing and changing, but during that growth and change phase, I feel like the role of direct primary care has gotten quite confused. And even in the last 15 months that I've been trying to interact with Liberty HealthShare, I think the way that I was asked or told that that would work has changed probably three or four times. And so I have a hard time even communicating to my patients what the product is, how it would work, how much it would cost them. Uh, can you address that and help Well, me I appreciate the opportunity to, to address it. Uh, we launched a, uh, a pilot for Liberty HealthShare members in direct primary care about two to three years ago uh, and saw the need, the necessity for altering and changing the way in which, because we wanted to incentivize our members to enroll with direct primary care. Uh, and saw that because we share in wellness visits, uh, we share in costs associated with maintenance of health, we wanted to take a portion of those dollars and help reinforce the choice of a member and share in the access costs for direct primary care. And so we first directed that as payments to the DPC practice themselves. We found some problems and mis use and et cetera of that sort of system, simply changed it so that the patient, as basically is our philosophy, as self-pay patients, we're responsible for our care and those costs. We just choose to share those expenses in community with each other. Put the member in the driver's seat in terms of their direct relationship with you as direct primary care. 
Uh, and then it's their responsibility to submit those receipts, as it were, to us uh, to share in a portion of those. We have what we call an annual unshared amount. Uh, and so a portion of those costs would go towards that. And we would share up to 75% of that family's uh, costs for accessing a direct primary care uh, uh, practice uh, based upon certain criteria as to uh, what's, what is the focus of the practice that they're enrolling uh, in. Uh, and so that may be some of the confusion around uh, just exactly getting the criteria associated with reimbursement of access fees uh, and w what are the particular, uh, the, the focus of the practice that, that you've uh, obviously uh, created. So uh, that's, that's been our transition, uh, and we're wanting to be both responsive to our members and responsive to you. Uh, as to how best to craft that. Okay. Thank you. Let's go over to the other microphone. Go ahead. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Patrick Roll, uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I've been, uh, we're approaching our third anniversary being a DPC practice there in Lancaster. A little over 1,100 patients, fully 40% of them are members of a sharing plan. Mm. And sharing plans are making a killing in PA. There's, to use that word again, we killing. <laughs> Um, so Samaritan, Christian Healthcare Ministries, MediShare are just, uh, they have a big market share. Um, and I've been waiting for three years for Liberty to come into PA. So the question is, what is the problem with my state? <laughs> and what can we doctors do to help you come into PA? Yeah. We have members in Pennsylvania, uh, and we operate there. Uh, at present, because of some questions that were presented to us by the Department of Insurance there, they have a, a safe harbor law, we refer to it. Uh, it it's a statute that defines uh, health care sharing. Uh, they've asked us to hold off adding members in Pennsylvania until we resolve some of those concerns with them, which we're happy to do, uh, and we welcome the oversight uh, of, uh, of those proper authorities. Uh, we're in really the final stages of that resolution, uh, and we'll be blowing and going. Uh, in 2019 is my prediction. Uh, but for now, that's, that's our status in PA, uh, and we're wanting to be responsive to that. Okay, go ahead. Hi, Dr. Steve Baker from Vancouver, Washington. Uh, DPC practice open for three months. Uh, I wonder if you could unpack a little bit, please, what the conditions you're looking for in a DPC practice in order for your members to be reimbursed? Sure. Uh it's, it's essentially three things that, that we're uh, looking for in terms of direct primary care participation. Uh, one is uh, that, uh, which most every uh, DPC does, uh, and that is uh, same-day uh, access to primary care. Uh, the, the second is particularly cost containment measures regarding referrals out of the DPC uh, to other specialties. Uh, th that's really key. Uh, and the third is cost containment or cost controls uh, as it relates to pharmacy uh, and expenses such as labs and, and other costs associated with that. So with DPC practices that give focus to those kinds of cost controls for their members and, and patients, uh, we reimburse that family up to 75% uh, 
uh, of the cost of access. All right. Well, the audience. Oh no, we still have one more. Absolutely. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Andrea Wadley. I'm a pediatrician in Texas. Um, we're actually my family is a member of Liberty as well. Um, so, for pediatricians doing direct primary care, a great barrier is vaccines. How do you guys handle vaccine costs for your members? Uh, we share in vaccination costs. Uh, particularly in the first year of a child's life. So uh, that those wellness visits and vaccinations uh, in the first year of, uh, of life are a part of eligible costs that we share in. Okay, thank you. Sure. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Amber Beckenhauer. I'm in Nebraska. I have a direct primary care we opened in February. And just to help some people out, I was talking with a partner, a friend of mine in the back, and I know a little bit of apprehension about a health sharing plan. I'm sure you hear that a lot. Um, We had been recommended to try this from another DPC doc, and we're only on the plan about, I'd say, 70 days or a little more, and I was playing in an alumni basketball tournament and tore my ACL. And Liberty HealthShare paid for, after my $1,500 deductible, my cadaver graft, the whole surgery, and everything. And so it really works. It's really great. And I just wanted to say thank you. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Let me, let me add in terms of, of the question regarding our expectations of direct primary care uh, practices for our members. Uh, One of the things that we truly rely on for you is your focus on the health of our members. Uh, That is, breaking out of this mode, as I expressed earlier, the sick care model, how better to to push against that perspective or that uh, movement in America than in the environment of direct primary care. Uh, And so that's one of the the issues that we really rely on you uh, in terms of focus on uh, the large picture of, of, of adding value and significance and support to the health uh, of our uh, of our members, number one. Uh, number two is uh, really informing them in this case uh, of how to go about uh, keeping track of their DPC fees, uh, their access costs, etc., and submitting them for us to, to share. And for you then, as a DPC practice, to enroll or enlist with Liberty Health Share as what we call an accepting uh, provider. Uh, there's a, a specific uh, uh, email address that's been set up, and I'm going to ask Lori Pierce, where are you, Lori? Just stand up. She's our VP uh, of medical services. Uh, be sure and connect with her uh, while we're here together. Uh, but there's a specific email address goes directly to Lori, dpc at libertyhealthshare.org. Uh, it's a way for you as a DPC practice to register with us. You, you agree to accept Liberty Health Share members. We agree to inform the geographic area around you uh, as to your availability uh, to uh, Liberty Health Share members. Uh, and so we receive, see that as a reciprocal uh, partnership relationship and love to do it. Dr. Lee Gross of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Uh, question, you've you know, obviously seen the data now, and you know your patients that, ha- that see DPC doctors versus patients that see traditional doctors. 
from from your perspective, do you see downstream savings in the patient that chooses the DPC practice? And can you maybe give an estimate as to how much savings that you typically see on the plan side? Uh, the Lori would be way better to uh, answer that question than I. Uh, but we, we are just really in the first full year of collecting that data. Uh, and as you know from, from national data, uh, it's, the, it's the second year and following is when you really begin to see return and savings. And so while uh, our initial analysis shows lower cost uh, with those families participating in DPC, uh, we're not uh, yet sure that that data is mature enough uh, to, to really uh, relay in terms of, of those percentage of costs that we would project long term. But we're gathering that data, analyzing it, uh, and more to come. Thank you. Sure. Go ahead. Oliver Braun from Phoenix DPC in Savannah, Georgia, 18-month uh, in business. Um, I would like you to uh, elaborate on those three measures that you said. I mean, same-day access uh, is easy to prove for a DPC practice to be eligible to become, you know, for the patient to get the 75% reimbursement. Yeah. But how do you size up a practice for cost containment measures or the cost containment measures uh, in pharmaceuticals? Uh, well, we let the member feedback to us whether or not that particular practice meets those three criteria. So we're not trying uh, to certify DPC practices. We've really left that into the hands of the individual member to inquire and discover uh, what those best parameters are. Uh, and whether you're dispensing pharmaceuticals at your particular location. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Well, that kind of segues into my question or my comment. I'm Shelley Wrench with Employer Healthcare Savings. We currently do DPC for employers, and now we're opening up to do DPC to the membership of Liberty HealthShare, as you know. And um, the one thing that is the biggest gorilla in my room because I also have another hat that I'm an administrator at a cancer center, are especially pharmacies and PBMs. We've heard about it all day long. And so what I like about Liberty HealthShare, the first time I signed up myself for Liberty HealthShare, I was kind of just searching around the website and stumbled on your verbiage talking about genetic, generic. Unfortunately, we're at the end. We'll have to break it off there. We may be able to fill this in uh, the rest of the Q&A at a later date. But you're listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Thanks for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.